As I am clearing my throat to do season four, episode 12, episode 12 of season four of JV to the Pros, I'm Jack Vecchio, and I'm going to be walking you through a whole lot of stuff that's going on, heavy San Diego-based stuff, if you know what I mean. Um, I have... A lot of interesting stuff to talk to you about. A little bit of a sore throat, but I'm going to take care of that right now. Ah, uh, that's not whiskey, but it's going to soothe my throat. All right, <clears throat> so we got a great show for you tonight. Normally, members of the Yankees or Red Sox or Dodgers <clears throat> or players from the big well-known cities get tons of attention or recognition while those from San Diego, Phoenix, Baltimore, or some small town in Ohio really get overlooked. Well, this week, 
athletes from the town I've called home for the past four decades got on a tear of recognition. Now, I rarely have several places to start when it comes to talking about athletes from San Diego doing incredible things for national acknowledgement. I'm going to start with 31-year-old professional golfer J.J. Spahn, who attended San Diego State University, and he has just won the Valero Texas Open by shooting 13 under par and winning by two strokes, and this got him an invitation to the coveted Masters in Augusta. That's right. <laughs> J.J. Spawn gets an invite to the Masters in Augusta. How great is that? Yeah, baby. <laughs> I think we could do better than that. Come on. Bring it. There you go. So, J.J. Spawn has only two professional tournament wins in his career, but this one has gotten him a shot at winning the Masters. All the best, San Diego State alum J.J. Spawn. Sometimes the planets align, you never know. You go get him, J.J. Next, another golf Cinderella story, also with San Diego Roots as Anna Davis wins the Augusta National Women's Amateur Tournament. Now, here's the kicker. Anna Davis is from Spring Valley here in San Diego, and she's, <laughs> she's only 16 years old. I mean, this girl doesn't even have her driver's license yet, and, and she's going to be playing... Yeah, okay. Everybody's cheering away. And she's won the national, the women's national amateur golf tournament at Augusta. Now think about what you were up to at 16 years old. Conquering a national tournament single-handedly probably wasn't on your list. You know, I was I was trying to get good tickets to Beatlemania. Or, or or get a good deal on a used car. And this young lady is out there kicking butt on the links. Anna Davis also handled the post-tournament interviews like a seasoned champion. I watched her interviews and she was just cool. Now, she has such maturity and grace and is so calm in front of the cameras as her profile is rising moment by moment. I was blown away. I'm amazed at how classy she's been through all this newfound fame. I mean, <clears throat> I know me. And if if I were in her shoes at that age, I would have been exploding with, wow, look what I just did. <laughs> I mean, hell, I did that after throwing a shutout in high school. When I was that age, if I hit a home run for the baseball team and scored a touchdown for the football team in the same week for my high school, I was like a boasting billboard. It's really too bad that my ego was so indulged in high school. I mean, everybody just kind of went along with it. I congratulate Anna Davis for being such a class act 
And we here in San Diego wish her the absolute best moving forward. You know, we might be watching the next great one as she blossoms into adulthood with her talents growing with her popularity. Pedal to the metal, Anna Davis. Now, last of the San Diego athlete stories. This is a great athletic story out of San Diego as well. <clears throat> this week, Ron Caps, a funny car owner slash driver that lives here in San Diego in Carlsbad. Yes, Legoland. Yeah, and he is sponsored by Napa. And he just won the NHRA Funny Car Championship in front of his hero, the legendary Hall of Famer, John Force, who didn't waste a moment to congratulate Ron Caps as he won it all this weekend in Las Vegas. Now, people go to Vegas all the time hoping to win, but this guy did it in style. And by the way, he did it. He did it while going over 331 miles an hour. <laughs> I mean, this guy lives life a quarter mile at a time, going over 300 miles per hour for each quarter mile. Ron Caps is a locally well-known driver for some time now, but this weekend he hit the big time, winning the NHRA Funny Car Championship in Vegas in a four-car final runoff. They had four cars in four lanes, and Ron Caps won by 0.69 of a second. Now, that doesn't sound like much on the surface, but, but since the whole race was won in 3.914 seconds, so that makes 0.69 of a second a pretty dominant distance in a quarter mile. Ron Caps was was humble and appreciative and frankly pretty emotional as he began to realize what just happened to him in front of his hero John Force. Ron has waited a long time for this dream to finally come true and he began to wonder if it would ever come true until this weekend in Vegas as he chased and chased that dream until he caught it. Ron Caps I know exactly how you feel. If you chase something long enough, you'll catch it if, you're, if it's your destiny. Winning the National NHRA Funny Car Championship was your destiny, and we're very happy for you. There's something going on here in San Diego as, as champions are rising to the top all over the place. Now, we just need the Padres to step up, and we will be a city of champions. Ha! Up until this past weekend, the San Diego Loyal soccer team, an expansion team, coached by Hall of Famer and professional American soccer player Landon Donovan, they were 20-0 and 0 going into this past weekend. And last week's game had that streak broken up by Tulsa in the 77th minute to give the Loyal their first loss of the season, putting them at 20-1. and one. Now, credit where credit's due here. These tickets to see the Loyal are nearly impossible to get, and they sell out every game. The Loyal have a, have a strong following of fans that show up way before the game starts just to watch the players stretch and warm up in the hopes of getting a pick 
of or, or with their favorite players. The players, to their credit, do take the time to greet the fans after the game, take pictures with them and sign autographs to show their appreciation of the fans. Now, I'm expecting the Loyal to win it all this year, and I'll keep you up to speed on what's going on with them as the season progresses. And yes, I am struggling with my voice. I know it, and I don't care. I'm doing the show. Uh, I t- I'll tell you what. Um, let me let me tell you a little anecdote. I remember in the in the late '80s, early '90s, um, San Diego had an indoor soccer team called the San Diego Soccers. Easy name to remember, and they played at the San Diego Sports Arena, which is about the size of Madison Square Garden, seating about twenty thousand in cap- in capacity. Now the loyal play at Torero Stadium at the USD campus, <clears throat> pulling in just under 10,000 people per game. Now, getting back to the San Diego Soccers, the Soccers won 10 World Indoor Championships in 11 seasons. I mean, that's incredible, right? Well, around that ninth World Championship in a row, the Soccers announced that they were in serious financial trouble because they were not selling out as fans just didn't get caught up in that whole being dominant and winning like crazy thing. But if the Padres offered beach towel night while in last place of all of baseball, the Padres would sell out. The Chargers could be mathematically eliminated from the playoff contention picture, and they would sell out too. But the San Diego Soccer's were struggling financially, and they were having a tough time staying afloat and begging for corporate help to keep the team from folding. They did have an offer from the local cable company, Cox Cable, and Cox Cable offered to cover all of their debt and buy all the tickets not sold to each game and give them away through radio promotions to get the community involved in the success of the San Diego Soccers. But the Soccers declined this offer. Now, for a while, it was a mystery as to why the San Diego Soccers declined such a sweet offer. And as it turned out, the Soccers opted out of being sponsored by Cox Cable because they didn't want to be known as the San Diego Cox Soccers. On that note, I'd like to stop for a moment and talk about one of our sponsors, Rob Van Dam's <laughs> CBD oil for sore joints and muscles. Now, I use this stuff and I use just a little dot of it. I mean, literally, if you're typing and you make a capital D, the area inside the D would be enough to spread around on a joint or on your neck or on your knees or Wherever you're sore, your lower back, and the stuff works great. I have had this little tiny jar for over two years now, and I don't think we're halfway through with it. Uh, Rob Van Dam, you can go to rbvcbd.com, Rob Van Dam, R-V, Rob Van Dam, so it's RBD, CBD, Rob Van Dam, CBD oil, and and you go to um, 
the promotions bar and you put in JV to the pros and I should find out if it's 10 or 20% off, but you get at least 10% off of whatever you order by putting in JV to the pros in the promotion section. And I'll tell you what, this stuff lasts a long time. It's a great investment. If you have sore muscles, sore back, sore necks, sore elbows, shoulders, whatever, It'll just relax that area and that'll give it a chance to not feel traumatized while it heals. RVD, CBD, Rob Van Dam, CBD oil. Just do a Google search for worldwide entertainment, world wrestling entertainment hall of famer, Rob Van Dam. Not only a friend of the show, but a friend of mine. And he's put out a great, great product. Rob Van Dam CBD oil, rbvcbd.com, and get yours right away if you have any sore parts of your body. Moving on to the story that won't quite go away, Slapgate. <sighs> Actor, director, writer, producer Tony Welch was on the show last week, and we talked about this whole Will Smith slapping Chris Rock at the Academy Awards thing. Tony had heard that security at the Academy Awards had asked Will Smith to leave, and he refused. But as the truth comes out, that was fake news. I've been in this business for several decades, and I had friends who were actually there that night, and they said Will Smith was not asked to leave as Chris Rock was in fact, asked if he wanted Will Smith removed from the auditorium, and Chris Rock said no. After the award show, the next day, the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts, and Scientists, science, scientists, science, the, I better say this right or they're going to be upset with me. <laughs> uh, Lorenzo will be sending me an email tomorrow because I know he listens to the show and he's the president of, of our union. The Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts, and Sciences held an emergency meeting to decide what the consequences should be, what, what consequences should be applied as they were all on the same page in regard that this behavior must be met with consequences. There must be a penalty of some sort. Well, they arrived at a solution. They would give Will Smith the option to resign from the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts, and Sciences or he will be removed, putting him in the category with the likes of Harvey Weinstein, Roman Polanski, and Bill Cosby, or he can willingly resign, which makes him no longer a member of the Academy or the Screen Actors Guild Union. Now, he will, however, have the option to reapply for a, after a period of time that that period of time has not been divulged by the Academy just yet. I'm figuring it's probably around five years before he can apply for reinstatement. You know, a lot has come out in, in the wake of Will Smith's behavior in, quote-unquote, defending Jada Pinkett Smith's honor, especially the fact that Jada Pinkett has a podcast which is funded by Will Smith's production company, and she has broadcasted 
on that podcast about her affair with an L.A. rapper. And she and Will Smith have been swingers for many years now. Will Smith really looks like the south end of a horse running north right now. I mean, as more and more details have been coming out about their sex life and their very loose sexual parameters, Jada's podcast, which is called Red Table Talk, no longer refers to her affair as an affair, but rather as a, quote, entanglement with another man. (laughs) No matter how you twist it, you know, it's, it is what it is. Now, here's, here's what I think. I think Will Smith has been boiling over with frustration over the embarrassment of Jada shining light on their private guilty pleasures with other people while Will Smith is clearly way more into her than she is into him. I mean, this guy makes millions of dollars and is a very popular actor, movie star with a production company with virtually endless income and possibilities while Yoko Ono Pinkett Smith is doing whatever the hell she wants with whomever she wants and humiliating the golden goose along the way. I think this portrays Jada as uncaring and insensitive to Will's feelings. Now, here's my perspective. I think Will knew what he was marrying, and yes, Love does make you do some crazy stuff. But Will is a grown man who had to know that walking up on stage during Hollywood's biggest night with the biggest ratings of any award show and cracking a presenter across the face. By the way, Will did not give Chris any heads up that he was about to get cracked across the face. And he cold cocked him like a coward hitting a much smaller, unaware comedian who is not known as a fighter or even a guy that lifts weights, while you, Will Smith, are constantly bulking up for films for your beefcake shot to sell more tickets. And and then you take a crack at him with no warning. It makes you weak Will Smith the coward. You know, Chris Rock handled that much differently than I would have. I would have destroyed the place. And the hell with the next golden statue. Clear your schedule, weak Willed Smith, as win or lose, you're going to know you've been in a fight. And if you cold cock me, I would have gotten my pound of flesh before anyone pulled me off you. That move would have been a, a serious mistake had you done, had you done that to, to The Rock. I mean, he'd still be beating your ass. You know, you try that crap with Mike Tyson. Let me, let me tell you. I'll tell you a, a totally true story about Mike Tyson. One night at a party in a New York high-rise, Robert Downey Jr. and and I got this story from Robert Downey Jr. He decided to play a little joke on Mike Tyson by taking Mike aside over by the windows of this high-rise, and they're up like 60 or 80 stories in the sky, and acting like Downey is actually gay and started flirting with Tyson. Well, Tyson was so upset that he actually tried to throw Downey through one of the large reinforced 
windows in that high rise. Downey tells the story as he couldn't get Tyson's attention long enough to get him to stop trying to throw him through the window. Guests at the party had to stop Tyson and separate the two before Downey could finally tell Tyson that he was playing a joke on him. Now, fortunately for Robert Downey Jr., those windows are designed to withstand high winds and foreign objects flying through the air in Manhattan during hurricanes and bad weather in the area. Otherwise, Robert Downey Jr. probably would not be here today. Speaking of Mike Tyson, a couple of weeks ago, Mike Tyson attended a stand-up comedy show. Now, before the show started, a young man got up, pulled out a gun, and was threatening to shoot Iron Mike Tyson. Everyone in the, audi in the audience panicked and dropped to the floor while the baddest man on the planet just sat there staring down the barrel of the gun. Now, to onlookers, Mike seemed to know something or just had no fear as this thing unfolded. The young man was yelling at Tyson that he was going to kill him, and he wanted to shoot Iron Mike Tyson to gain street cred. Well, Tyson seemed to read this just right and just sat there with this young man threatening to kill Tyson. Everyone else was afraid to, to move from under their tables, etc. But Mike Tyson just sat there, giving this young man a cold stare as he threatened the baddest man on the planet, and he was threatening to shoot him. Finally, Mike Tyson stood up, walked over to the young man, and didn't try to rip the gun from him, but kept walking up to him, got closer and closer, and then just put his arms around him and gave him a hug. Well, the young man broke down and let go of the gun, and Mike Tyson thought this was a bit funny, but, you know, he made a joke after the drama was over by saying something along the lines of, now let's, <laughs> let's have a show or I'm going to use this gun. <laughs> Everyone had a good laugh and, and they got up off the floor and out from under the tables and they wanted to enjoy the show. The young man did not stay for the show, but the comics did use this incident in the show and Mike Tyson turned out to be the star of the show. Now, Mike Tyson is not afraid when a gun is pointed at him. I mean, Mike Tyson's not afraid of a gun. You know, I bet if his boxing opponents had known this, they wouldn't have signed to fight him. I mean, you're going to go and hit him with your fist. He's not afraid of a gun. You know, Mike Tyson once knocked a guy down three times with one punch. Tyson hit this guy and down he went. He got up and lost his balance once he got upright and fell down again. Then got himself back on his feet, only to land face down through the ropes and a final 10 count. Now, if you've never seen Mike Tyson fight, go online and watch how hard this guy beat people. For about, about 12 years, Mike Tyson was like, trying to beat steel. After a long and incredible career in the ring, Mike Tyson 
came back and fought in July of 2004, long after, you know, his his career peaked. Tyson signed a deal with HBO to fight for one last big paycheck, but he had to beat a pushover club fighter named Danny Williams, which was supposed to be a warm-up fight before the big fight, but Danny Williams beat Tyson, and Tyson knew it was over because this guy shouldn't have been able to beat any real contender. I mean, if Tyson was still a real contender, and Tyson, to his credit, knew it was over and told the media that if he can't beat a chump like Danny Williams, he doesn't deserve a shot at the title. And Tyson stepped down for good. Now, recently, Tyson fought an exhibition fight against Roy Jones Jr., which was the fight that never happened when they when they were both on top of their game, but the details never got worked out, and everyone wanted to watch these two go at it because Roy Jones was bigger with a bigger reach, and Tyson had that, you know, that dropping and diving and kept his head real low and his and his head protected by his big arms. It was going to be an interesting fight. But um, anyway, um, they decided to have an exhibition fight. And there are a couple of over-the-hill big-name fighters, but they're, they were no longer the fighters they once were. The fight took place at the end of 2020, more than 15 years after Tyson stepped away from the ring. And the fight with Roy Jones Jr. ended in a draw. Fans did show up just to be able to say they saw Tyson fight, but this really didn't count. I mean, back in the day when when Tyson was destroying opponents, I was afraid of Tyson, and I was in my living room. I remember when I watched Mike Tyson fight Michael Spinks live, and Tyson beat Spinks in just 91 seconds. The weigh-in took longer than the fight. I watched that fight with my brother Richie, and we both thought Tyson may have killed Spinks, and, and Spinks was the champion. Tyson would come out of his corner punching himself on the head until he got to the other side of the ring and started hitting the other guy. Tyson didn't wear socks. He didn't need water between rounds. And he grinded his teeth to sharpen them in case he got the chance to eat his opponent during the fight. You know, this is something Evander Holyfield found out the hard way as Holyfield was actually beating Tyson in a fight. And he was ahead on points as Tyson had enough of this playing by the rules crap and just bit down on Holyfield's ear during um, when they were in a hole. They were just kind of gripped against each other and the ref should have been separating them. And he bit off Holyfield's ear right off his head and then spit it out of the ring into the crowd. As a matter of fact, the guy that caught Holyfield's ear offered to sell it back to Holyfield after the fight. <laughs> oh, Holyfield could have used a good attorney to negotiate that deal. Speaking of great attorneys, let's talk about Paul Sorrentino, the employer lawyer. Now, he has been a sponsor of the show for quite a while, and Paul Sorrentino is the guy that protects 
small businesses, mom and pop shops. He protects companies and he protects corporations from employees that are trying to sue for some big payout, some some quick, quick money, a little fast cash. And if you get Paul Sorrentino on that case, he'll make sure it doesn't happen because he'll tear them apart. As long as it's not warranted, he'll make sure you're not paying for something silly. So Paul Sorrentino at Jackson Lewis, you can reach him at 619-573-4900. And that's Paul Sorrentino at Jackson Lewis, 619-573-4900, the employer lawyer now one of the things paul sorrentino and i have in common is we still both play baseball and we actually play on the same team we play for an adult baseball team and we play for the yankees here in san diego well baseball is about to get underway later this week and i think the usual suspects are projected front runners for the playoffs but this is a marathon not a sprint and a lot can happen over 162 games. Dodgers, Yankees, Reds, San Fran, Red Sox, and Atlanta all look like the favorites to win it all. But I'd like to see Pittsburgh or San Diego or Cleveland or Baltimore make a run. Just I'd like to see one of the little guys sneak in there and do some damage and just win it all. I'd like to see someone unexpectedly rise to the top and sneak up and bite the favorites in the ass as they're looking past the underdogs. Often these teams that are heavy favorites, they'll put you know, maybe not their best pitcher on the mound for that game because ah, this is a team we can beat with anybody. It doesn't matter. We don't have to waste one of our good arms. Let's save that for one of the good teams. And this is how the the smaller market teams, the Pittsburghs, the San Diegos, this is how they end up accumulating enough wins to get well over 500. If they can do that enough with enough contenders and take some games and win some games, you know, on their own, yeah, they they can turn around, find themselves in the playoffs, and now you've got yourself a sprint. You got a best of five and a couple of best of sevens, and you could be the champion. Well, <clears throat> I was just talking to you about the fact that um, many of you know that I still play adult baseball with my good buddy, Paulie, and I'm still pitching. Well, this past Sunday... My team, the Yankees, faced the two-time adult league champion Cardinals. And although I didn't start the game, I came in the game in the fourth and threw four innings, retiring 11 out of 12 in a row and striking out one, bringing my career strikeouts to 3,123. Now, I went one for three at the plate. But I have to give a great deal of credit to my best friend and catcher, Paul Sorrentino. Yes, that Paul Sorrentino from Jackson Lewis, the employer lawyer, is a pretty damn good catcher too. Now, we were in such sync in Sunday's game that he'd laid down a signal for the pitch. And I was already holding the ball for that pitch. And I just go right into my motion and throw it which I think threw the other team off because I think they thought he was probably holding the ball 
prepared for a fastball, and he'd probably ask for a fastball. Well, I was throwing a lot of screwballs and curveballs and sliders, and Paulie went to the circle change a little more than normal. Well, I don't care what level of baseball you're playing. Retiring 11 out of 12 in a row is tough at any level. Even the pros would be impressed with that kind of performance from any pitcher. One guy on the other team was walking by me between innings as we were leaving the field and they were getting ready to take the field. And he told me I should be in Vegas. And I thought, well, why should I be in Vegas? You know, Vegas is where the national championships are, but they're not until the end of May. And I kind of looked at him confused, like, why would I be in Vegas? And he said, Jack, you should be in Vegas because you're dealing. We can't hit you today. <laughs> and he shook my hand and patted me on the shoulder. And for a ball player, that's an incredible compliment. And I thought, boy, that that felt good. And I've known this guy for years. And that was really a kind thing to say. And the, and the game still had a lot more to go. It wasn't like we were ending the game. We still had like three innings left. Anyway, I made one play in particular where um, a lefty batter got on top of a pitch and hit a slow grounder right down the first base line, but it was staying fair, and I got over there so fast that the batter didn't even bother trying to run down the line because I had gotten there so quickly, I was literally standing in his way in order for him to get to first base. It was just one of those days that made me feel like a very young ball player again. And um, I don't know, must have been that drink I took from the fountain of youth. <laughs> well, one of the last things I want to talk about is a feel-good story about Coach K from Duke. Now, those that follow basketball, they know who Coach K is. But um, Coach K, the K stands for his last name, Shashevsky. Now, don't try to spell it. Don't try to spell it. Because uh, it's spelled K-R-Z-Y-Z-E-W-S-K-I. Shashevsky. Vanna, can I buy a vowel? <laughs> can I buy all of them? I mean, I don't know how Krzyzewski becomes Krzyzewski. Anyway, Coach K went into the NCAA men's tournament, the brackets as it's better known, March Madness, with 98 NCAA career wins for March Madness. Now, this year, even though Duke was ranked number two, this team got Coach K his 100th March Madness NCAA men's championship win in the second round of March Madness. And Duke wasn't really expected to make much noise in the brackets since their regular schedule was weaker than teams during... They, they were playing kind of easier teams and they found themselves ranked second in their division. There's um, four separate divisions. But... Um, they got, a, they got a, a very high ranking after beating up on, on some teams that were pretty easy to beat. Well, the players for Duke 
had been playing their hearts out for Coach K, and they were trying their best to get him one last NCAA championship. Well, Coach K has been very emotional as the Blue Devils have been knocking off opponents in each round and now had found themselves with a chance to make it to the Final Four. But North Carolina, the Tar Heels, would have something to say about it. They ruined the party, eliminating the Blue Devils on April 2nd, 81-77, a close game. Coach K and his team have nothing to feel badly about. First of all, North Carolina had been playing solid ball, and they looked like they could win the whole thing. So, you know, I'm thinking when they when they lost to North Carolina, they may have lost to the next champions. I mean, you know, the, Duke had toppled a lot of very talented teams in the um, in the NCAA championships. So now it's the Tar Heels' turn to finish what they started. Well, I usually don't enjoy basketball because I feel like it's almost always it, it comes down to the final five minutes before the game is decided. I mean, it's back and forth, basket, basket, basket. And then the last five minutes, it's, you know, everybody seems to step it up and that's when the game is decided. But this year's NCAA was very exciting. I did find myself watching the championship game between the Tar Heels and the Jayhawks. So it was North Carolina versus Kansas. <laughs> that's right. And, um, and at one point, um, North Carolina had Kansas. Um, they went on a, a 22 and one run. Carol, North Carolina, they were up by 16. Now, no team chasing 16 in the final game of the NCAA men's championship. No team has ever come back from that deficit. But Kansas didn't walk slowly into that good night and fought back until they finally overcame the greatest deficit in NCAA men's history of 16 points. They were down 16 before the half, and at halftime, they were down 15. And they walked away Kansas walked away with the NCAA championship, beating North Carolina 72-69. to So congrats goes out to Kansas, Kansas and the Jayhawks and Jayhawks Nation as, the, as they have yet another NCAA championship, giving them their fourth NCAA men's championship. By the way, the Tar Heels had a dramatic moment as time was expiring in the championship game, the Tar Heels down by three, and Jones took the final shot and was off by only about two inches for the tie as time ran out and the buzzer sounded. I mean, this was a very thrilling game. I really, really loved it. Now, I was going to do a list this week of the greatest villains in movie-making history. But I'm going to wait until I have one of my acting buddies on the show so we can discuss it with a little bit of back and forth. So, 
That concludes Season 4, Episode 12, 12, 12, Season 4, Episode 12 of JV to the Pros. We'd like to thank Rob Van Dam, WWE Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer, friend of the show and friend of mine. Um, I'd like to thank his magical, incredible CBD oil, Rob Van Dam, rbvcbd.com. Go to rbvcbd.com and get your CBD oil from Rob Van Dam and put JV to the pros in the promotions bracket and you'll get 10 or 20% off there. Um, and you know what? If you have sore muscles or strains or something like that, or just kind of like your feet are sore, if you're on them all, put a little bit of the CBD oil on, let it soak in, and let it do its magic. We'd also like to thank Paul Sorrentino of Jackson Lewis, 619-573-4900. And you ask for the employer, lawyer, Paul Sorrentino. He will protect your small business and or your company, and or your corporation. Paul Sorrentino, the employer lawyer. I'd also like to thank producer Karen, the queen of Queens, New York, for doing all the post-production work. She puts all the glitz and glam on our Facebook page along with our other platforms, and she finds all the links and pictures that you see posted along with the link to our show, which can be found on Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Facebook, and many other platforms. I want to thank you for listening and putting up with my sore throat, and we'll be in touch again next week with another installment of JV to the Pros. We thank you very much for listening in. When I wake up in the morning, love, and the sunlight hurts my eyes, something without warning, love. Bears heavy on my mind Then I look at you And the world's alright
I tell you, I just love that song, man. That is so cool. All right, we're going to be signing off here. JV to the pros. What'd you think of the show?